Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. Our first question is, do you have any tips for extending your exhales while doing breathing exercises? You could take a shallow exhale without moving your belly. Like your belly kind of stays in the same place and yeah. you don't use your musculature. Mm-hmm. So I would either do that exercise or I do it just like maybe standing and exhaling into a forward bend. Don't overthink it. Just inhale for three, exhale for four, then inhale for three, you know, do that a few times and then mm-hmm. exhale for five. You can control ratios of your breath. So my guess is you're doing one of a few things, but the most likely thing people do is the inhale's too long. Um, so you've you've enhanced your inhale so much that like you kind of it feels like your exhale's really short, mm-hmm. right? Because you did that. The other possibility is that you're not using your muscles, so it's like you you're having trouble doing it without that cueing. The other way to do it is to once you do it for a while with your just your belly but then flip it and do it with your pelvic floor so the exhale has your pelvic floor moving in and up and your belly will kind of move along with it because your pelvic floor moves your transverse abs so if you breathe in you know for four say and now i'm exhaling and i'm i'm slowly engaging my pelvic floor don't don't yank it (laughs) you know what i mean just like nice and easy with the muscles Mm -hmm just like you did with your belly and you'll feel the sides of your abdominal muscles start to start to move, you know, start to contract mm-hmm. and you can do it that way too. And that's a little different cause it's, it's not so much like um, rectus abdominis based mm-hmm. and it's more like what you do just for regular breathing. Um, so you could try it that way as well. So you can play with those two things. If you're in a more like acute anxiety thing or you're sort of like off and you're having trouble, um, better to make sound. So you ohm that exhale out and it'll do some of the same things. So if you just ohm, you sing, you know, you're kind of singing it out and it forces you to use, you know, it doesn't force you, but generally prompts you (laughs) to use those muscles again. And so if you're thinking about extending the sound instead of extending your breath the sound will help. So you could try that. So if you're feeling like you're kind of off and you're, you know, getting, getting it into your head, you know, you're like, I can't exhale. Like that's how I would do it. I would think about it more like chanting and forget, forget all the other stuff. So that's another way that might work. Most things, you know, as a yoga therapist, I will say so many things are solved by doing it a different way. So it's just something to think about. Like if you can't get a client to, inhale and bring their arms wide you you can't get them to move the way you want you have to think about a different cue um you can't just keep like hammering it over the head so you know sometimes like i'll have people snap or clap or touch both shoulders like something to change their brain while they're doing the other thing i want to get them to do that makes sense so sometimes you just got to change the channel 
you know, especially if you're in session, because this is a moment probably everyone will encounter if you haven't already, where you're trying to get someone to do something and you can't. And like, you kind of go back in and you say the same things to them thinking like, well, maybe this will work and it doesn't work. And you get a little flustered because you're like, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm about to get found out. I'm a terrible yoga therapist. I don't know what to do. And what you should think to yourself is, cue them in some other way, like get their brain to do anything different, tap their foot, anything. And usually it works out. Sometimes people like they're on their belly, say you want them to bring their heel towards their glute. You know, you want them to engage their hamstring and they have whatever going on. It's like, they can't really fire properly. Sometimes like if I just remember this one person it's like, okay, that's not working. I've said it seven times, you know what I mean? They're not doing it, but I know they, they can do it. So then I had him um, tap on the floor, his right hand. And now I'm like, bring your foot to your butt. You know, like literally, like I kind of yelled at him and he goes, you know, I was like, okay, good. Like, and then everything started working again. So it's the same thing with the breath, right? Just find another way. Why don't we use visualizations when learning yoga nidra for yoga therapy versus iris yoga nidra, for example? It's because they tend to work on more people. Um, the iris stuff is really complicated. Uh, it's very wordy and there's a lot of learned techniques in there. Um, I like to keep it simple as a yoga therapist, you know, and so I try to use things that most people have been able to do, you know, from my experience. So that's why, um, <clears throat> I have also noticed that I rest, I don't know what you're learning right now, but, um, a lot of amazing things in there. Um, but it's also kind of evolved into this meditation tradition almost it's like an interesting thing it's like a its own kind of thing um so they use a lot of different cueings and they'll use a lot of different cueing within each yoga nidra that's what i've noticed um and so i found that unless you're doing really long ones it doesn't leave quite enough space for my liking for people to have their own experience. I'm sure they would disagree, um, but it's not that I don't like them and I've done tons of IRS, but that, that, that would be the differences, you know? So those are just things to think about. Um, though that particular technique is sort of like a love it or hate it thing. I've noticed some people like love IRS. It's like so awesome for them and their brain really likes that and other people find it irritating. So, you know, as you're studying it, you know, it's good to like think about how much time, how much visualization, how much um, talk, talking in general. There's, there's the rotational Saraswati's mm -hmm. like rotational yeah. consciousness, which is, uh, Iris got that from there where you're doing different images. So if you listen to Swami Saraswati, if you haven't listened to this, it's super fun. You can go on YouTube. Okay and type in Swami Saraswati and you'll get a live, he's like talking through some sort of PA system. Um, and he's like, 
he gets to this visualization part and it's, rot it's, it's rotating your consciousness. So they do it in the body, right? You go to different parts of your body and then, then it goes to your, to your mind. And he's like a red chair. And he's like a boy under a mango tree, an eagle or whatever, you know what I mean? A sunny river or sunny. And he just goes, goes and goes and goes. And it's, it's a really cool technique because it's, it's doing that same thing I was just talking about. It's kind of just like switching and switching and switching. So, you know, it changes your, it, it keeps you awake and in like a meditative state and like sort of doesn't really allow you to think that much, which was the idea, right? Cause you're too busy. So that's super useful. And then there's like the visualizations that are more like, um, you know, imagine a white light in your heart and birds chirping in the white light and there's a flute playing and the whole thing. And that's more designed to like change your mind state out of negative bias into something that's more sattvic, peaceful. Um, and so for a lot of people that works, you know, because Sometimes you're lying there and the, the thoughts are too, you know, difficult, you know, for you to really have some, any kind of brainwave state changing meditative experience. That's how I see it. So there's just different methods of doing that. And then for some people that moving from image to image can be really irritating. Like some people come out of that and they're like, ah, like, stop it. You know, I hated that. Um, I can tell you my own experience, which is because I've worked a lot with Yoga Nidra just in my own practice. And um, I like the rotational consciousness and visualizations if the Yoga Nidra is short. And I'm, I'm sort of just trying to change the channel and get my brain to do something else. Um, if you're really trying to deepen your practice and, and, really let your system change a lot. Um, once you've done that for a while, it's it's sort of keeps you on the surface. It won't let you drop down because there's just too much talking and too much direction. So a lot of meditations like that. Um, so that's been my, my experience. Like if you're like kind of floating in your pranic body and then someone's like rolling in every 15 seconds telling you to hear the birds chirping in your soul, it's like irritating, you know, because you were, it's like pulling you out. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not a good technique. Well, for me anyway, it's like the joy of yoga nidra, right? Is like, you get this sort of like different than other meditations. Like you get this very simple, easy, you're lying down, they're telling you what to do. You know, it's easy to get out of your own way. Should I give my clients a wide variety of yoga practices? I started integral yoga and you basically do the same one over and over and over and over again. And, and I feel like that's been a little lost in like the sort of more recent yoga world. Like everything needs to be different all the time. And it's, it's part of the problem. I mean, you want your client to like get better at it and, you know, be able to drop in and the more kind of accustomed you are to something, the better it is. So I, I'm not, I don't really see the benefit. It's fine to, oh, you want to do another one? Here's like another one. Like I have like five, I basically give people. Um, 
But when your client starts going, I want more and more and more new, 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 you have to think to yourself, you have to talk to them. You have to be like, well, what are you looking for? Are you bored? Because if you're bored, you're not getting the experience that you're not having the brainwave shift that we're looking for that provides the benefit. So maybe that wasn't the right one in the first place. That's one possibility. But you don't want them to let you, you don't want them to, to think that that's like, if you're like, oh, okay, I'll find you 10 more, then you're sort of playing, you're not teaching them anything, you know? They're like, oh, great. My yoga therapist told me I should do 55 different yoga nidras every week, you know, which is now you're, that's not probably not what you're meant to do. So the client's not really the boss that way because they aren't a yoga therapist and they don't have that piece of information. But I do this like one right now, like corporate meditation teaching thing. We meet online and they're like super high powered exec types and they wanted me to teach them meditation. And, you know, some of them are like, let's do something like that. It's like that. They're like, I do teach them new things, but you know, I'm like, look guys, we can't, we can't do 500 new things every, that's not, that's not how it works. You have to get better at what you're doing. And when I said that to them, they were like, oh, I never thought of it that way. In this next section, Brant discusses how to work with clients with serious health conditions using lupus as an example. So, so you as a, you as a yoga therapist, the only way to work, cause you're going to land where you are right now over and over again, cause it's just too hard. So you have to make it easier on yourself. So the way you make it easier is to, she's like, I'm stuck. I can't get up. I'm not motivated mindset. You have to say to her, well, what I'm hearing is, you know, you're not motivated, maybe a little depressed. You're feeling restricted in your body and blank, whatever the things are, are those the things you wanna work on? And you literally like for yourself, when she leaves, you write them down, you know what I mean? Or why she's there, you're like, okay, you know, physical ability, you know, like less pain in the body, like even make that a little more specific. Like, are you in pain or are you depressed and just don't wanna move? Like, which is, you know, you have to like separate that out with her. Like, okay, what am I gonna give her for depression? And what are the symptoms of her depression? Because dep even depression is a little too general, right? She's not getting up in the morning. Is she not motivated to clean her house? Like she'll tell you stuff, right? So whatever it is that she's like, this is, this is the thing that I can tell I'm more depressed because I look in my kitchen, I haven't done dishes in four days or whatever. So let's say you give her like a breathing practice and a moving practice for that. And you get her to do that three times a week. What you'd want to see is that after three or four weeks, you ask her, how's that dishes thing going? Because she could come back and she could say, I'm still depressed and I still have lupus, right? Because that's going to be her reality because that's what's happening. But you say to her, well, when we talked a few weeks ago, you mentioned the dishes. And then she says to you, yeah, that's gotten a little better. I'm generally doing the dishes. Do you see why we're getting this specific? Right. And then you're like, great. Clearly that practice is working because three weeks ago, you told me you never did your dishes for the past five years. And then your client goes, oh, right. And then you start getting this like feedback, positive feedback loop with her. And then you do the next thing and the next thing. 
I would say like 50% of your job is probably talking about people's schedules and specific symptoms. It's like such a big part of it. Really finding out what we're actually dealing with instead of just uh, taking the diagnosis at face value. And it's complicated with things like depression because depression means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So one thing to remember is that we're not actually working on Western diagnosis exactly. People tend to struggle to have faith that yoga therapy practices will be effective. Brandt discusses with us why. It's uh, difficult for people. I mean, think about yourself. Like you, it's likely that you have had many times in your life where you didn't feel like you had any power over what was going on for you. And like, even though you're a yoga person, you didn't think, well, maybe I should do some yoga stuff. You know, you're like, I'm going to go get someone to help me and do some other thing. Cause that it's almost like too simple and like a little unbelievable, you know, that some breathing things and some moving things and some meditation things can actually have such a big impact. And so for clients, it's even more so because they don't even know about it. So it's, it's like really hard to buy in sometimes. There's also this weird thing where it's like, well, if it's that easy, it's not easy, but you know, this is how it goes in the mind, right? Well, if it's that easy, then I've been like such a fool for the past 10 years, you know, being anxious, <laughs> you know, that I don't even really want to confront that by doing something about it. So it's it's a little bit of a difficult thing. There's a, I'm noticing that there's like a, in the yoga world, as it kind of begins to meld with Western stuff, it's just, it's almost unbelievable. Like when you look at some of the studies where you see some of our interventions come out the same as medications, for instance, like they'll literally like be like a statistical tie for like depression. It's hard to believe. You know, we have we have such a faith in pharma at this point because it's done so many amazing things that it's almost made it hard for us to be like, wow, I could like get on a yoga mat three times a week and I could get the exact same results as Paxil. You know, like it's just, I, I'm betting even like, some of us here are hearing that right now and we're like, no, like, you know what I mean? But it, it's actually true, they've studied it. So it's, it's not, it's just, it's hard. It's hard for people to get there. In the UK, they changed their uh, protocols for mild and moderate depression. The, the health service changed them several years ago from medication, uh, they, switched people out to uh, exercise and uh, therapy. So they, they really like flipped the script on even moderate depression because they, they studied it and found that if you get someone on a treadmill like four times a week or whatever it was for 30 minutes and had them talk to somebody every two weeks, they were getting better results than any meds. But it's just, it's interesting. And it took, you know, it took years and years and years and years and years of research and thinking about this stuff to get there. <laughs> it 
basically almost unfunded research on yoga and exercise, like every, all the other things. You know, it took so many years to get there. Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review, and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.